0: Uh, here we go, uh, this is 2 Corinthians. We're looking at this um, book, of course, uh, and last week, I, I, this is going to annoy the people at the back massively, um, but last week the uh, thing we had ended with the letter of the, sorry, Read really it properly Chris, not the letter, but the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Paul's argument, of course, we break it into chunks, rightly, um, but it's continuous, And his thought from last week, remember, was the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. I'm so tempted to do that schoolmaster thing. What do you remember about last week's lesson? What do you remember that Laurie said about the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life? While you're thinking about that, I'm going to pray. Father, pray you'd open your word to our hearts and our heart to your words. Lord, that your Spirit would speak words of truth into our hearts. And we might know them. And live by them. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Mm-hmm. Amen. Anyone wants volunteer? Oh Kathy, church warden. No, Don't do evangelism out of guilt. Oh that's that's okay, I'm fine. Okay. Don't do evangelism out of guilt. She said that, it's true. Anything about uh, anything else about particular about the letter killing? In what sense does the letter kill? X Ex- oh. Give a round of applause. Very good, yes. The law comes. The law's a good thing. The law's not a bad thing. The law's a good thing. It tells you who God is and what his standards are, right? But the effect of having the law is you now know what you've got to do to be a holy person before God. And once you know that, whoa, you can't do it. And so the, the intention of the law was to say this is what it is to be a holy people, Israel. This is what you've got to be. But the effect of it is that everyone falls short. For all of sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's quote, Paul, cool, right? And so, if in effect, it kills it, it, it defines the fact that we're all sinners and we're going to die. But the Spirit, Paul says, gives life, because through Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection and His gift of His Spirit to us, we are people of the Spirit. Now, the law still tells us what God's standard is, and and you know, it says, you know, you shall be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. You will be holy. It's, it's sort of a threat and a promise, <laughs> right? You know, you've got to be holy to be to see God. But you will be holy. In one sense, you are holy because you're forgiven. But we're growing into that. But that's from the Spirit. And so Paul's on this on this tack about comparing the old covenant, the old way of doing things, which the Jews all knew about, the law, with the new way, with, with what's come in Jesus, with the way of the Spirit. And so he goes on in verse uh, 7, immediately after that. Now, if the ministry that brought death, yeah, get it? Which was engraved in stone, that's how the law was originally done, on on tablets of stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory, though it was, transitory, we'll come back to that in a second. Transitory means it's going in its temporary phase, whatever will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious if the ministry that brought condemnation old covenant was glorious and it was glorious it was fantastic it's the, it's a real step in way god deals with his people well how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness for what was what sorry for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surprising glory And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory that lasts. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we're very bold. We're not like Moses, who would pull a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains. When the old covenant is read, it has not been removed. It was only in Christ is it taken away, even to this day. When Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, and we all who with unveiled faces cont- contemplate the glor- Lord's glory are being transformed in His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen first bit of this, several places through this uh, passage, and I'm going to really spend time on the last couple of verses, actually, but through this passage, uh, Paul talks about the Old Covenant and its glory being transitory, and a couple of mentions of veils in that. And it's probably worth just taking a moment to dig back into uh, Exodus to look at, at, at where that stuff comes reference comes from. Because Paul based quite a lot about this veil stuff, and he uses it in several ways, like often he does, You can sort of tell. I mean, it's all Holy Spirit-inspired. Amen. But you can tell Paul writing this stuff and getting really carried away with this metaphor, this illustration of a veil, right? Which is like, for those who don't know, it's like a curtain that you wear across your face, isn't it? Right? The only time I've ever seen my wife wear a veil was... Yeah. And then for some reason or other... She takes it away at the front. I don't. I'm, people don't do it so much these days, do they? But that's that's the only knowledge I've got. I've never met anyone else wearing veils. Anyone met people wearing veils? They do. Actually, they do in Africa sometimes. certainly actually. So, don't they? Yeah, I've seen it. That's true. We'll we'll wear, we wear. Look at you all wearing veils now. Look at you. Look around at the little person next to you. All wearing veils. Look, not very effective ones. Not very beautiful ones. But these ones over the face, I think, for Moses' case. Now, Exodus 34. Uh, Again, I'm going to annoy the people at the back, so I'll start reading from 29. So, no, I won't won't read it. I'll just tell you the story. Um, So, Moses uh, is the guy who gets the law and chills it on on tables of stone. He's been seeing God. He's been there for a long time in God's presence on the mountain. He comes down the mountain, and um, it says this When Sorry, I'll read a bit. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, the tablets of the covenant of the law, the two tablets of the covenant of the law, the old covenant that gives the law that condemns, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. He was not aware that his face was radiant. He'd been in God's presence and his face was shining somehow or other. right? Um, When Aaron and the Israelites saw his face radiant, they were afraid to come near him. Right? They probably thought he got... COVID or something, you know, I mean, it's not, not normal. When Aaron, but Moses called them, so Aaron and the came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands that the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil on his face, over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out again. And when he came out, he told the Israelites what he'd been commanded. They saw his face was radiant. Then Moses put a veil back over his face until he went in to speak to the Lord again. So there's this thing that Moses did when he came down the mountain. His face had been shining because he'd been in pres- God's presence. And, and the Israelites didn't like it. So he got in the habit of, when he's speaking with God to take the veil away, he used to go out to the tent of meeting when the Israelites were in the desert and there's a tent stuff on the edge where God would be. And he'd go out and talk to God in the tent, take a veil off. When he'd come back to see people, he put the veil back on because they got scared by the fact his face shone there's a sort of hint in our reading that uh go go forward a bit go forward a bit go forward go on go go forward, go forward go forward go forward here we go uh there's a hint in our reading that paul's saying moses wore the veil partly so they couldn't see it was fading couldn't see the radiance was fading Do you get that the dexter's the, the text says that they did it because they got the Israelites didn't like it very much but it, it, it's a suggestion here, and I think that's probably the right suggestion, is that the the radiance was, like, temporary. Right? You go in God's presence, and you, who could not? Whew. You know, Moses says that he's one who spoke to God face to face, spoke to him face to, heard him speak directly. That time of Israel is a glorious time because God's speaking through Moses to his people very directly. He's with them. And Moses goes in the tent, sees God, and gets this, like, radiant stuff. But he puts the veil on, because in the Old Covenant, it's indirect. The people don't see the Lord directly, they see Moses, and they get the commands from Moses. And it's veiled a little bit too, Does It makes sense? They don't even see that raging Glory stuff, yeah? It's veiled. And Paul deals quite a lot in this. First, first of all, he talks about the way that veil is still there for the people of Israel. In his time, it was clear that, that the people of Israel largely, some, many accepted Jesus, but many didn't. And we find that, don't we? Sometimes it's, I, I think to, you know, I talk to people about Jesus and about, about belief in God and the world, and, 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 and some people got with their last Sunday evening, got carried away about, about the creation, and the, how do you not get this, you pagan person? How do you not understand this? And Paul says, it's like a veil's there. It's like they've been blinded. The veil's taken away in Christ. The veil's taken away in Christ. And there is something about that that, that, that however hard you, you know, may come to faith by thinking and struggling about it, and our friends may do, but once the veil's taken away, you think, "Oh wow, yeah, because now I see." it all sort of makes sense now not, well, not everything, but it holds together. So Paul uses that picture of a veil that sort of hides the picture of the true nature of God behind Moses' face by saying that's still there for Israel." and I, you, can t- you know, you know, I swear from Romans and stuff, how much that upset Paul that his, his own people didn't really fully accept. Some did, but some didn't. Our nation, our, our our friends, our family, some do and some don't. And it can be a tough thing. But he also talks about us. You see, he says, verse eight 16, that can be on the screen now, but anyone who turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Sorry, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit... And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, is freedom. Freedom to be who we're called to be. Of course, it doesn't mean we can do whatever we like. It's the freedom to be who we are for in God. But we're no longer bound by a rigid set of legal code. We're bound by love of God and love of him. I have to make a confession at this point. Cathy, can I trust you? Would you like to go to the toilet, please? No, no, don't, say. About about 35 years ago, in the Vestriate Church, there was a sign on the wall, Pete might remember it, which said, I think it quoted um, Corinthians, which said, let all things be done decently and in order. Do you remember that, Pete? Oh, he does, look. It was quite a bold sign, and what it basically meant was, don't mess around with the liturgy, right? Let all things be done, and when I was quite young in those days, I'm feeling quite... I can hear my heart rate going. Hang on. Oh, yeah. It was me that took a pen, put a line through that verse, and put, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <laughs> I have to confess that John Stanton, I think, knew it was me. The rector at the time, um, but never draft me directly. He was, a good, he was good like that, actually. Anyway. <coughs> Did you know that? I'm not. <laughs> I was back to our drinking days, mate. But the spirit of the Lord is freedom, because there is freedom, okay? And, and that sometimes, that is actually what sometimes we feel that religious spirit that binds us down. But it's, at the moment, let's think personally. For me personally, Paul's saying, "Look, look, we're free. From the covenant that just brought death, those rules and things to be who we're supposed to be, because we can see Jesus face to face. The veil is taken away. There's no one in between me and that's amazing. And like Moses went out to the tent, even for him it was like indirect in a way. He doesn't see very much. He talks to God. For us, that's continuous all the time. I don't have to go anywhere. i have got to go to church or into the, you know, my my bedroom or anything to do it. Me amazingly, and for you guys, the veil's taken away. We're in God's presence. God has come to dwell in us. His, Jesus says, you know, come turn to me and I'm going to make a home with you. He indwells us by his presence, by his spirit. Our spiritual sight, our spiritual eyes are unveiled. We can see directly all the time. That's an amazing thing. And that's the freedom that we have to be in Jesus' presence, to hear what God says, and the seeing is also what the... Is going on in the world. I'm no longer blind. The Israelites had to know what to do by Moses coming out, going to Jesus, and coming out—sorry, talking to God, not Jesus, really—and telling them what to what they had to do. But for us, we see, or we should do. Now, of course, it's not perfect. In fact, it's really interesting. The verb that we use in the next bit, and and um, and we all now the NIV translates the verb "who with unveiled faces contemplate." Was it down here somewhere? La, 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 la. Contemplate. There is. There. He doesn't use the normal word for see. He doesn't say we all with unveiled faces see the Lord's glory. He says contemplate the Lord's glory in the NIV translation. the, the word really means see as in a reflection. the The root Greek word means see as in a reflection. And and there's an element there about about the self uh, reflection. What do you mostly see in mirrors? Self, so, you know. How's the spot on my nose doing? is my eczema x really bad, you know what I mean? How beautiful do I look this morning? Yeah, that's what you do in mirrors, isn't it, normally? And there's a sense in the verb, which it, it used to mean look in the mirror, but a sense of, 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 of seeing what you see and it having an effect on you. You look in the mirror and see how good you look and you think you need a bit more whatever, a bit more, you know. Uh, eye makeup or whatever you do these days. Uh, or in my case, just wear a veil so they can't see you because you're pretty ugly. really. But, but whatever it happens to be, you look and see and that changes the way you are. And this, that, that's that sense of this verb here. And I think Paul is remembering that in a way, although we have, the veil's been removed and we can see and, and the Holy Spirit lives in us. And we, it's not perfect yet. Indeed, in 1 Corinthians 13, the massive chapter on love, at the very end he says, we see now as in a mirror dimly. Oh, it's like you have skewed. Oh, look at that. We see only as a reflection in a the mirror. Then we should see face to face. And so I think Paul in 2 Corinthians, when he's talking about it, knows that the veil's been taken away and we can see, but it's not quite yet at the stage it will be when we're we're in heaven, when we're perfect. It's still hard sometimes. It's still a bit obscure sometimes. Some of the translations take the Corinthians singing talk through obscurity, it says. Because we are not yet fully, whoa, back to Corinthians, not yet fully transformed. But he goes on, we all with unveiled faces then, look at at reflecting the God's glory, are being transformed into his image. Let's do it slowly. We're being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. And here the chapter does end, and the, the thought process gets to a conclusion. We're being transformed. Not It's not a command to be transformed. It's a statement of truth. We are being transformed. Why? Because I tell you what, if you actually do the thing where you look at Jesus, if you contemplate Jesus, if you spend time looking admittedly through the complicated haze of my issues and hang-ups and everything else. But if you look at Jesus, it will transform you. It's not a thing that you can stop doing. You you, you become what you spend time thinking about in many ways. And in this picture of what Paul's got here, he says, look, as you became a Christian, the veil was taken away, and now we can see, and the more time, the more we spend doing that, the more invested we are in Spending time in looking at Jesus. And I don't just mean, I don't think I just mean anyway, like sort of holy moments when I'm on a mountain all by myself with my headphones on and and really worshipping. They're good times. I also mean the times when I'm in a situation and with someone who's really in a mess, and I'm saying, Lord, what's going on here? I want to see your face here. What is your worth of situation? I want to see... I want to see with unveiled face, Lord Jesus, what you're doing. What's that? I've forgotten that. I can't, can't get the words right again now. Send us when your love to those around us. What's that last word of that song I used? Send. You have to might sing it to me. Love, da, 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 love around you. Something like that. Send us the love around me. Okay? His love is the core thing, but it's something about seeing what God is doing. But the more we're able to do that, the more we'll be transformed. And it, the transformation is, of course, in the end, in the world, and we'll become holy. we become holy because if I see what Jesus is like and doing, and if I allow that to, to, yeah, then I will do what he wants me to do, and that means I will live holy lives. Not necessarily like one, two, three, but it'll just happen. It's not, it's not a thing I've got to work at. It's not a thing I've got to think about, you know, like when you go to the gym. You know, you think, have I done that set of reps yet or not? I've got to tick it off. It just comes out naturally. It's not a tick-off list. It's a, it's a look, look, guys, look at Jesus. Because you can. It's your right to do it. And it's not absolutely clear yet in many ways, because it because we're still where we are. But but just look more. And the more you look, the more you transform, the more you transform, the more you'll find you're actually doing what the law wants you to do in the first place. But it ain't, ain't gonna be a thing where you've got to like say tick it off. Is this making sense? Let's go back. I want to I want to I want to not spend too long. Um, I want to read the text again. I'm gonna just start from uh, verse. Wherever it breaks. No, 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 no. Yes, 12. We'll miss that out. Okay. So, you know that bit. I want to read it slowly and I want you to, I want you to allow it to sink into your hearts, okay? The, the response is not going to be a big, like, call for people to come Christian or anything like that. You're just going to say, look, guys, this stuff is all done. All we have to do is, is be who we are. We have to close our eyes. Literally but metaphorically to the crap of the world and look at Jesus. And he's so close. He's talking about being within us, I'm never quite sure what that means, but you know, let's leave it for a moment. He's absolutely close. And the veil's gone. And as we look at Jesus, the world and everything looks different. So just with me. I'm gonna read it from with the appropriate gaps. <laughs> From verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read, it has not been removed. Because only in Christ is that veil taken away. Even to this day, when Moses read, a veil covers their hearts. But anyone who turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, Us guys here, each one of us, have unveiled faces to contemplate the Lord's glory. As we do that, we're being transformed into his glory with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit.